Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Here's Armstrong and Getty. Studio C. Deep within the dirty, stinking bowels of the Armstrong and Getty information complex. Michael, play the door opening. Sup? Hey, look everybody, it's Jack, the co-host. Who's our general manager today? We haven't gotten to that yet. I'm interested. Under the tutelage of our general manager, who is who? Henry McMaster, the governor of South Carolina. Okay. Crank up the music, Michael. It's Friday. It's an information party. Oh, if you didn't yeah. come to party, don't bother knocking on my door. Yes. A sound policy. It's an information party. You show up to this party with some drinks and some chips, and you learn about what's going on in the world. That's the way it works. Here we go. Big finish. Why is the governor of South Carolina our general manager? Yesterday, he ordered the state's Department of Employment and Workforce to cease participation in federal and pandemic-related unemployment benefit programs, effective the end of June. He said employers in the state face an unprecedented labor shortage, which he attributed in large part to people making more money not working because of generous federal benefits. 
Yeah, and then I just, so employment numbers just came out, and they're uh, they're kind of wacky. They're very disappointing to analysts who analyze these sorts of things. Um, but I, I, you know, how many people didn't go back to work because they didn't want to? So I don't I don't know how, it's, I don't know how you measure this stuff. I have met in real life several people who have said. We had people either furloughed or whatever during the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. And we told them, hey, come on back, full pay, everything, blah, blah, blah. And they said, no, we're not coming back. Yeah, I'm know, making too much money, too. I know a couple people like that, too. Uh, employers, mm-hmm. boss, bosses, yeah, who their old employees won't come back. That's weird, man. That's weird. I'd say it is. It, it, it's, it's weird and utterly predictable. Yeah. I know, because we predicted it. <laughs> Yeah, that's strange. I thought you were going to go with the fact that uh, South Carolina is firing up old Sparky. And uh, and uh, I don't know what terminology you would use for getting their guns ready. But so executions by electric chair and firing squad? Yep. Yep. If the drugs for the old uh, sleepy potion aren't available or the courts stop it, then you can have uh, your choice of the hot seat or the old uh, blamity blam. <laughs> I would take the firing squad uh, ten times to Sunday over the electric chair myself. Uh, neither one sounds like a treat, but yeah, I would agree. Oh, I, it's a, they could take hanging over the electric chair. Electric chair just sounds awful to me. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, just terrible. Oh my god, I don't it's, even want to talk about it. It's funny how that we moved away from all those other, you know, medieval hangings and shootings and all that sort of stuff to something modern and sophisticated like the electric chair, and we all. What do you think, Sean? Which is the most horrifying sounding one? I think the electric chair sounds just awful. Not like a modern advancement to something <laughs> uh, more compassionate. It sounds terrible. I, I think I'm skewed because my only exposure to it really is in movies, and those rarely go smoothly when they're depicting the electric chair on film. But well, maybe well, that's it, it, often, it so, often did not. Well, even if it goes well, I just... <laughs> yeah, oh, this is going well. <laughs> Yeah, the idea yeah. of sitting there in that chair and putting on the hat and strapping down your arm, it just sounds, ah. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's so crazy and stupid and, and dishonest? And nobody ever talks about this. You know, the idea that, oh, we can't uh, we can't execute somebody with these chemicals because they might suffer and blah, blah, blah. Every doctor knows, every anesthesiologist knows, well, a lot of people know, you can easily give somebody a fatal overdose of, uh, of uh, what was the, the, the stuff Michael Jackson was taking? The propofol? propofol. Yeah, that's it. Please, it's effortless to kill somebody like that. Well, and they I, just die. I, uh, yeah. I want to word this in a way in such that it's a uh, uplifting good thing, I guess, rather than a bad thing on a Friday. But we have a friend of the family who chose not to uh, uh, go through the full natural process of their horrible disease recently, and at the hospice, uh. they you know they made it uh, possible for this person to not hmm. wake up in a, in an unbelievably painless. Why? Why can't yeah. we do that to people? Yeah, if we're going to have, you know, debating whether or not we should have capital punishment, separate argument. But if we're sure. going to do it, why can't we do it that way? Well, it's a lie that there's some sort of problem with the chemicals or whatever. It's just, it's a lie. It's a, it's a dodge to not confront capital punishment directly. Mm-hmm. And it's been fairly uh, effective, honestly. Anyway. Um, it's, uh, teamwork that makes the dream work. And that's why we introduce everybody in the squad. There's our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. Hi, this morning, Michael. Uh, I have kind of a dark joke about the electric chair. I'm debating whether or not to say it or not. Hmm. If it makes you grin, leave it in. 
No, I was just thinking. I mean, uh, if I had, if I was an innocent man and, and I had to go that way or something, you're like, assuming you're an innocent man, uh, but you're like, getting the death penalty. Okay. I'd wow, hold, and this I is a tragedy. Hold like a strand of Christmas, something that would light up, <laughs> so that when they pull the yeah. switch, you know, it's a big festival. The old type white thing. bulb in the mouth. <laughs> Hey, look yeah, here. something like that. Look what I brought. <laughs> oh, oh. Like a really big, bright orange Last bulb. Last second, you just slip a light bulb in your mouth and nobody's looking, and then you kind of hold it there. Hold on, before you do the switch, I got a, I got a bit I got to do. <laughs> yeah, watch this. I want to go out and do a bit. Yeah. Michael. <laughs> I brought a lot of laughter to people over the years, and I'd like to <laughs> like to bring it, like bring it all home with a, with a bit. <laughs> I'll just have to assume it went over, and you all thought it was fantastic. Let me affix this red Rudolph nose to my... <laughs> My face. I think we're all going to enjoy this. Oh, jeez. There's Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing quite well. It was on this day in our history in the year 1824. Okay, that's early on, man. That Beethoven Symphony Number no. 9 debuted. Mm. This was, uh, he conducted this 10 years after he lost his hearing. Uh, it was uh, the first performance of his Ninth Symphony, now widely considered to be one of the greatest pieces of music ever written. Uh, at the time, it was the largest orchestra that he had ever uh, assembled to do such things. And the other thing that always strikes me when I circle back to classical music is how long these things are. This is an hour-long performance. This was their movies. They, they didn't have, you know, animated features. They went and listened to somebody play a story through song. Absolutely. It's a journey. It's a musical journey. I like a pop hit that's about three minutes long. Catch a tune. Got like one musical idea, it repeats over and over again. Like the disco vaccination PSA from Singapore, which we uh, Michael has procured the entirety okay, of. Let's go. Something like, something like. Guess who's back? It's Uncle Bob. And me, Rosie. Everybody, it's time to vaccinate. Faster, Lola. No time to waste. But you are in the Hiya, Rosie. Come on, be brave. The vaccine is not This is only slightly shorter than Beethoven's night, so let me know when you want me to. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to get back to this later. I love that. <laughs> oh, why just stop it? That's right good stuff. So I'm trying to remember what, uh, it doesn't really matter. Singapore! But... <laughs> <laughs> there was a fantastic book I read about, I think it's just called The Ninth. Um, a book about the Beethoven's Ninth Symphony that's, uh, just, just focused on that one thing and how I wrote it and how it was received and everything. It's absolutely uh-huh. fantastic. Anyway, maybe I'll try to figure that out. Um, we have the rest of the Singapore, Singapore, Singapore vaccination song. Too. That's the one. If you liked it yesterday. Um, I'm and Jack who Ar- didn't? I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Friday, May 7th, the year 2021, where Armstrong and Getty and we approve of this program. All right, then. Let's begin officially now, according to FCC rules and regulations at Mark. I think we should start lifting these restrictions as aggressively as we put them in. We need to preserve the credibility of public health officials. Wow. I recognize the voice of Scott Gottlieb. We need to remove these restrictions as fast as we put them in. That is not what's happening. (laughs) That is not at all what's happening. Speaking of things we predicted over and over again. And you're right. The government loses credibility. You're absolutely right. When it's clear, it's that article we were talking about yesterday, why the left won't let go of the pandemic or whatever it was from the Atlantic. It's, it's, uh, it's making everybody cynical about everything the government tells us. When you get, when you're looking around and seeing nonsense, and, uh, if everybody gets vaccinated by July 4th, I was just at a little league baseball game packed full of people everywhere. <laughs> Kids, parents, old people, young people, everybody. 
No masks anywhere. What are you Meanwhile, talking about? The New York Times is publishing stories about this mother of three is afraid to have tea in her backyard with a fellow fully vaccinated person, even though they've both had it and they're both vaccinated and blah, blah, blah. And, and they don't portray it as a crazy person or a person who's motivated by some odd political tribal leaning. They just reported yeah. as some people are concerned. Yeah, crazy people are. Yeah, I came across some statistics yesterday. I'm trying to verify. It seems to be true that the most vaccinated town in my local area right now is also the most shut down town in the local area. Interesting. Which is not surprising. Um, how's mailbag look? Oh, it's excellent. And we have cow as well. Clips of the week to come in moments. Oh, cool. All on the way. Stay here. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We mentioned the jobs numbers. We never got to them. We will learn about 10 minutes or so, but they're uh, very, very disappointing compared to what people were expecting. And the president's going to give a speech on that soon, and you know why. Bad jobs report. He's going to use this as leverage to try to convince people this is why we need to spend the $5 trillion on various programs because we're all hurting so bad, so... <laughs> I'll expect that. Yeah, great. Mailbag coming up in a moment or two. Easy in there, Michael. But first, let's take a fond look back at the week that was. It's Cal, Clips of the Week. And he said, you travel 1,515,000 miles on Amtrak. Woo for you, Captain Traino. <laughs> we don't want to talk. Worst <laughs> superhero ever. <laughs> right about there is when Kamala Harris called for a Bible. Oh, false alarm, nope. He's getting back up, yep, no, just picking a flower. As far as space junk goes, and there's a lot of it up above us, this one is enormous. There are massive cremations that are taking place across this city and across this country. Chinese fighter jets are increasingly visible in the skies above the Western Pacific. It is the one country in the world that has the capacity to undermine or challenge the rules-based order. Don't pet the snake. (laughs) Pet the python again. Joey, what's the big deal? And discovering a magic mirror just as Snow White. Boy, boits. Boits, damn it! Take two. (laughs) What's happened to this wonderful, beautiful state? We chose beauty over brains. Originally, I started out as a compassionate disruptor, and then I was thinking the other day, I think I'm more of a thoughtful disruptor. I am a cisgender millennial who's been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Wokeness, this ideology, is about turning citizens against one another. Look at that! Look at that! Right on our lawn! You are being a grumpy pants. We can start thinking about considering the idea of pondering the thought of conceptualizing. You know what I want to hear one more time? Speaking of music. Better get your shot. 
Are you trying to, like, bend that note, or is that just missing it? Singapore! It sounds like somebody, like, touched the turntable and slowed it down a little bit. Or yeah, what happened right there? <laughs> Mailbag. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day from John Adams, second president of the United States, founding Papa. He was uh, he was in charge of going over to Europe and, and rounding up money yeah. for a while, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was he was like the chief guy to try to finance the Revolutionary War. Anyway, uh, power always thinks that it is doing God's service when it is violating all of His laws. Mm. That's a good one right there. Uh, we need to change in the music here, Michael. Not sure who selected the music for the feature Joe Getty's Asia Fantasia, in which I did a couple of stories about Asia. But I thought you might find this interesting. The song you chose to represent Asia is actually Hurrian Hymn Number 6, which is the oldest piece of music known to man. No kidding. Having been written in 1400 B.C. Um, um, I'm sure there was music prior to that, but it's the oldest that we know of. Yes, exactly, yeah. Uh, maybe you should get a lute to pair up with your theremins and try to give it a whirl. You know what song was before that? <laughs> oh, boy. See, that's surprising. The Hurrian songs, Jack, are a collection of music inscribed in cuneiform on clay tablets excavated from the ancient Amorite Canaanite city of Uragit, a headland in northern Syria. I'll be danged which date to approximately 1400 B.C. People in the current modern-day Syria are living like it is 1400 B.C. So that song is the oldie, the original oldie. Yeah. Well, you like yeah. oldies? This is an oldie. We're going to go way oldie. back. Go way back, huh? Remember this one? Ah, we're all hanging out on the beach in the summer of 1400 B.C. and Dying at the age of 32. Do you remember the, where you were the first time you heard hurrying hymn number six? <laughs> It does not rock. <laughs> it's not a toe tapper. I actually, you know what? Someday I ought to have Michael play this, and I'll just sit there and listen to it as a piece of music. There as you opposed go. To background for for idiotic listener. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Haikus, Joe. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Anyway, uh, moving along. Uh, Joel, the journeyman electrician, writes. Can we talk about how much overtime is taxed? I honestly don't know about this. Because, you know, we don't have overtime. We have a contract. But uh, it blends in with the new spending bill topic in what will soon be tax hikes. If I work 46 hours a week, I make more take-home than I do when I work 48. Isn't that crazy? I don't see how that's possible. So they, they, they tax your goes in other income higher if if you work overtime? It's like a bonus? Because I know at one point, yeah. bonuses got taxed at a brutal 50%, rate. percent yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it's, God, it was terrible. And when I work 56 hours a week, I make nothing worth spending my Saturday at work. More taxes, where is it going? Yeah, I don't understand how that works, but if it's the case, obviously that is uh, uh, not productive for society in any way. Yeah, that's terrible. Uh, said, I love you guys and your ability to see both sides of things. Never stop questioning. We won't. It's in our nature. Why would uh, we question? I don't know. <laughs> Fellas, please see the most promoted comment under the article below. Do we have time for this? New York Times, the American birth rate has declined for six straight years. We wanted to hear your thoughts on becoming a parent. And the most liked comment was, uh, would I be a parent? No, because I don't want to put another human being through the BS and pain that comes with the living on the planet these days. Wow. 
And uh, Andrew writes, the world 2021 is the best time in human history to have a child on every metric. <laughs> right. Travel back to 1921 or even 1971. It's just negativity. we got to talk about that more later. And we got to tell you about the jobs report coming up because you're going to hear a lot about this. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> Calling a little bit of an audible here before we get into what I was planning to talk about because I just came across this in USA Today and uh, I don't know, it's what I needed to read today. Uh, It's about this couple, they've been married for 53 years, old couple, but 53 years of marriage and 100 foster girls 
how they've dedicated their lives to uh, to foster children. Oh my gosh! One, one of those, you know, stories. Is oh. everybody uh, feeling the same surge of I'm not really a very good person <laughs> compared well, to that? I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying not to focus on that. <laughs> Uh, because well, well, I'm every- incredibly self-centered is the thing. But uh, I need I need more of that in my life. Oh, I see. That would make m- me happier, which is the weird, you know, thing about the whole thing. If I did more of that stuff, that would be a hell of a lot of work. And giving up a lot of the things that I like to do and focus on, I would be happier. I know that for a freaking fact. I don't think there's any arguing with no, that. No, there's no arguing with that. It's just interesting reading about this couple. They're 78 and 79, and they've dedicated their lives to raising foster kids who they're still in touch with, and a lot of them went off to college and have great lives and all that sort of stuff. And just, uh, yep, need all, more. I need more of that in my life and less focusing on, you know, my disappointments. Did you say they were all girls? Yeah, for whatever That's reason. That's interesting. Did they just decide, eh, well, I'm not very good at raising I, boys? I wonder if you just, if you start with, you know, if you have a handful of girls, it's just easier to have, to not inter- introduce the boy thing. I don't know. I'd have to read the whole article, and I, I might have. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Love that story. I need to do more of that sort of thing. Right? Uh, reading a Twitter feed of this Justin Wolfers, who's an economist from Michigan, reporting on uh, the economic story of the last hour just coming out today. U.S. payrolls grew by 266,000 this month, which would be fabulous in normal times, but is an utter disappointment at a moment when forecasters are expecting over a million jobs. Yeah. We're still missing millions of pre-pandemic jobs. This is a big miss that changes how we think about the recovery, he says. Unemployment is stuck at 6.1%, well above the pre-pandemic rate of 3.5%, and that's despite the fact that millions are still not looking for work. While we've got uh, help-wanted signs coast to freaking coast, and that's what the Wall Street Journal is focusing on is, you know, trying to figure out exactly what's going on here. You got you got <laughs> millions and millions of people out of work. I mean, gazillions of people out of work, and... The, the, a number of industries that are just suffering because they can't hire anybody. You know, not to be grossly oversimple about this, but uh, the old saying remains true. If you want more of something, subsidize it. If you want less of it, tax it. We're subsidizing not working. I They're, mean, it's that simple. So the Wall Street Journal survey comes to the conclusion of how do you have so many people out of work and so many help wanted signs? They said it's three things. It's fear of getting the COVID I don't know if I believe that. I do. I absolutely do? do. Yeah, just because in perusing liberal media, like the New York Times story I was just describing, stories about people who are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, afraid to have iced tea in the backyard with their also fully vaccinated friend. Man, I have a skewed vision, I guess, because I've been coming to work the entire time. Right. Um, so well, and in crowded baseball fields and the rest of it. I just I have to take it on faith because I don't really hang out with people like that. My wife does occasionally. Huh. Anyway, so you got the, the, according to the Wall Street Journal's survey of people, why aren't you getting a job? Um, uh, fear of getting the COVID. I can't go back to work because my school's not open. That's mm. the chunk of people, which is, you know, its own weird problem. And then finally, I'm making more not working. So you have misunderstanding of science, the effects of terrible policy, mm-hmm. and the effects of terrible policy. <laughs> It's it's not hard to understand. Oh, you know, let's go back to uh, the governor of South Carolina, whose name is uh, Henry McMaster. 
He directed the uh, South Carolina Department of Employment and Workforce to terminate South Carolina's participation in all federal pandemic-related unemployment benefit programs as of the end of June. Uh, He says... South Carolina's businesses have borne the brunt of the financial impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. Those businesses that have survived, both large and small, and including those in hospitality, tourism, manufacturing, and healthcare sectors, now face an unprecedented labor shortage. The Gumber continued. This labor shortage is being created in large part by the supplemental unemployment payments that the federal government provides claimants on top of their state unemployment benefits. In many instances, these payments are greater than the workers' previous paychecks. What was intended to be a short-term financial assistance for the vulnerable and displaced during the height of the pandemic has turned into a dangerous federal entitlement, incentivizing and paying workers to stay at home rather than encouraging them to return to the workforce. I'd like to know what percentage of the people who aren't taking any of these jobs, it's the whole I make more money staying at home. Uh, yeah, I wish we could nail that down um, to the extent that people would be honest. But I'm just there, I the one more thing in this press release. There are about 82,000 open jobs in South Carolina, which is not a terribly populous state. I don't know where it ranks. It's, uh, I don't know, probably somewhere in the middle, but. Now, some of these job openings are for real jobs, like in, in, in um, uh, construction and all that sort of stuff. I mean, you'd you'd be making a you know a good wage. You could live on, you know, have a family on all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know, I've mentioned a lot about the fact I've had a couple of fast food places hand me my food and a card saying we're not hiring at eighteen dollars an hour, and we get texts and comments on, well, you know, people don't want to work fast food, or but but somebody was before. Somebody was doing those jobs before the For pandemic. For all of human history. Think about that, my friends. There were people doing these jobs before the pandemic. Are they just now all of a sudden not the, this uh, job anybody will do? Well, and I'm sorry, is a couple of guys who, who had some crappy danged jobs early in our lives. The idea that I don't want to do that, therefore I won't work at all. That's just it. No, no, you don't understand. That has never been a thing, as the kids say. <laughs> Not since they wrote that wacky 1,400-year-old song that we were playing. Not 800 years ago. Not 100 years ago. You'd starve. If we're going to play a song, we need to play a song that's four days old. And it's this one. It's Singapore. Oh, but what, where's the rest of it? Okay, okay, yeah, can you stop it? Yeah. I really yeah. want to know the lyrics. Something, something. Guess Some who's back? It's Uncle, Uncle Something, I think is the Guess who's back? Name? It's Uncle. Oh, so it's like a rapper introducing himself. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go. Singapore, I'm going to disco all night long, man. That's bet the best get a vaccination to end a pandemic dance tune I've ever heard. Did somebody ask for it to be turned off? Did somebody <laughs> signal it for it to be turned off? Okay, let's go. I need to turn it down while we talk a little bit. But... 
Uncle Blah. Uncle Blah. Uncle Uncle Blah. That's my favorite part. Fire on the dance floor. That's when I really throw my hands up. Against COVID, it will protect. Yeah, everybody sings along that part. <laughs> right, suddenly, it's just really annoying. I almost want to get vaccinated again with that song playing. I've had my shots, but I might get them again. All right, now you can stop it, Michael. It's starting to make me insane. By the way, I don't know about the rest of the country, and but from what I read, this is kind of common around the country right now. Um, I was at a pharmacy, Walgreens, CVS, I don't remember which one, yesterday. And, uh, man, the vaccine guy was sitting back there. I walked down one of the aisles. Are you here for a vaccine? No, I'm looking for uh, some school supplies for my son. Oh, okay. And he went back to reading his I mean, just yeah. sitting there, no, nothing to do all day long because nobody's so, coming in. So lonely. Yeah, so we've got this weird thing. Nobody anticipated this. We knew there were anti-vaxxers. We didn't know there was going to be such a large chunk of, eh, I don't know why I haven't done it. I just, eh. I'll get around to it, maybe. Same reason know. I haven't taken out the trash, I guess. I just, I, I knew I should, but I just haven't yet. <laughs> I, I plan to. I just haven't yet. <laughs> There's a bigger chunk of that than we ever expected. Yeah. Yeah. Which, How odd. Uh, yeah, I want more people to get vaccinated. So the whole, I'm not going back to work because I'm afraid of COVID can just disappear is a reason. At least we can tackle that one head on. We can't, can't do anything about the teachers unions not opening school despite the, no science to back them up. Right. Uh, can't do right. anything about the fact, at least for now, that people make more money at home than going to a job. But if we could get people vaccinated, that'd eliminate that excuse. Anybody out there right now who is ha- out of work and hasn't gone back to work, do any of those three reasons strike you, or do you have another one? Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. By the way, Cal Unicornia is uh, recovering from COVID-19, lowest hospitalization rate since the first week or two of the pandemic. And schools are still not open all over the place. Many public schools still closed. 50th in the nation in getting the kiddos back to school in spite of the science. Way nice. to go, California. Way to go, Gavin Newsom. Nice you job. punk. <laughs> That's what Kate, you and Caitlyn Jenner say. Um, and the got... guy with the bear, too, John Cox. By the way, an hour two of the Armstrong and Getty Show, which is next hour if you're listening chronologically or if you're listening live. It's just the way time works. Um, the next hour follows this hour. Um, uh, we're going to talk to Lon. Thank you for that explanation, Einstein. Lon Chen, who's one of our favorite pundits, will be uh, will be coming in. A bunch of other stuff. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. President Biden visited a 70-year-old bridge in Lake Charles, Louisiana today while pitching his jobs and infrastructure plan. Because if Biden's proof of anything, it's how much good a few thousand dollars in bridge work can do for you. <laughs> what? Says teeth. So that's that, that's like old guys had dental work? Crazy teeth. Come on. That's the sort of humor we have in this country at this point? We'll Very to, disappointing. We'll have to figure out what we want to talk to Lon He Chen about politics. Uh, we, we, something that's not tired and worn out, I'll tell you that. That's what we want to get to. Oh, by the way, I'm wearing the that's brand funny. new... You bring that up like every week before we are going to talk to Lon He Chen, and it never happens. We always come up with good stuff to talk about. Well, that's It'll what be I'm, fine. That's what I'm saying. 
It'll be great. That's but yeah. that's that's the point of what I'm saying. Oh, okay. We're not going to talk right. about the tired crap that you're hearing all the time. Because if I heard, oh, and I'm yeah. in this, I'm in, the, I'm into politics. If I heard, oh, I'll talk politics coming up. I know, well, I know exactly what you're going to talk about. You're going to talk about whatever the lame brain story is of the day that's been driven into the ground with the same commentary. And yeah, we're not going that. to do that. I hear that. I'm wearing the new hot off the presses Armstrong and Getty T-shirt that says I'm vaxxed, no mask. Of course, this is radio, so you can't see me. But I'm wearing it. Unfortunately, he is, folks. He wouldn't lie to you. It was just handed to me by our producer. Unfortunately, it's the same color as my jeans, so I look like I'm wearing in some sort of <laughs> dock worker uniform. <laughs> I have gray jeans and a gray T-shirt that are exactly the same shade. Looks like I'm delivering boxes to your home, but but that's <laughs> fine. Just, that's honorable work. It's good work. You're not doing it. It's not what I'm yeah. doing now. No, no, you do look like you're in some sort of weird uniform. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, you look like a, one of the henchmen in a like a yeah. early Batman or something. <laughs> that's exactly right. You're inexplicably uniformed. <laughs> you know, that's an odd model for a crime organization. My skin's sort of the same pallor also, so it's kind of <laughs> gray. A, it's a good look. Hey, <laughs> this is good news. There's hope for our society. There's not maybe a lot of hope, but there's a little hope. There are a number of really solid lawsuits working their way through the courts uh, challenging critical race theory uh, on the basis that it's racist, because it clearly is. It absolutely is. It's fixing racism with more racism, which has been tried around the world for thousands of years, and many die. I think a lot of people who adhere to this do believe what you just said, that they're trying to fix racism. A lot of the people pushing it are trying to seize power through racism. Uh, but um, since then, federal, oh, since uh, Biden reinstated it, uh, federal agencies and federal contractors have resumed training, staff training on unconscious bias, microaggression, systemic racism, white privilege, uh, etc. Now critical race theory is about to face a real world test, a spate of lawsuits alleging that it encourages discrimination and other illegal policies targeting white humans, males and Christians. Uh, the lawsuits name specific policies and practices that allegedly discriminate, harass, blame, and humiliate people based on their race. It's good stuff. I mean, we can go into depth on some of these lawsuits. Um, I'll just quote David Pivtorak, who's an L.A. lawyer representing a couple of fellows who are suing two California state environmental agencies. Quote, critical race theory is a Trojan horse of sorts. It disguises itself as the gold standard of fairness and justice, but in fact relies on vilification and the idea of permanent oppressor and oppressed races. Its goal is not ensuring that all people play by the same rules, regardless of race, but equity, which is a euphemism for race-based outcomes. I will never use the term equity. I, I'm just going to say race-based outcomes. I think that's good. Mm. And speaking of race relations, I found this interesting. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is refusing to denounce her late father, who some of you know was uh, the mayor of Baltimore, Thomas D'Alessandro Jr. He supported the erection of Confederate monuments in the city um, and uh, also enforced discriminatory housing practices back in the day. Uh, Mrs. Oh, by the in case you're not familiar, a lot of those Confederate statues in the South were not put up in 1864 or, or 1880. They were put up in the Jim Crow era or, uh, during the Civil Rights era as a resistance to it. Mm. So anyway, Mrs. Pelosi has made confronting the country's past racism and combating systemic racism a cornerstone of the House Democrats agenda, refused repeated requests this week to address her father's, uh, legacy. Which I think is interesting and odd. 
Well, if she were to say out loud, well, he was a product of his times, well, that would ruin a lot of the agenda of the, the crazies. The oh, yeah. That's a good point. Um, indeed, during a commencement address to the University of Baltimore Law School in 2013, Mrs. Pelosi recalled watching her father be interviewed on television the day of uh, the decision, uh, Brown versus Board of Education. <clears throat> he said, this is the law of the land, and it will be enforced and honored in Baltimore, Maryland. And that was really important because it was such a landmark, and it meant so much to Baltimore. But according to various political uh, science professors, uh, D'Alessandro Del- had not championed desegregation. He was in no way a leader of any sort on the topic. So, In hat news... <laughs> That's right. That's what I said in hat news. Uh, I just came across a couple of tweets. So our our, uh, our buddy Tim Sandifer, Tim the lawyer, tweeted out, I'm dismayed by the way our era regards men's hats as vaguely suspect. I live in Phoenix. It's literally insane not to wear a hat outdoors here. Yet I'm typically the only man wearing a hat when I look around me. And I thought, why are you, re- why are you talking about this? He was resp- responding to Jonah Goldberg, who I also follow on the Twitter, said, I really like men's hats. I'd wear them more except for three things. One, I have an enormous misshapen gourd of a head. Two, <laughs> they seem like a desperate effort to make a fashion statement, something I lost interest in decades ago. That often is the case. And three, they tend to be sad code for baldness. Hats do have them so- that working against them. They're still seen as a, a real effort to, like, be something or cover up the fact that you're bald. We need to break past that, because it just makes sense to wear a hat, either to keep warm in the winter or to keep the sun off your head. Well, yeah, it's funny. I, I, I too, t- look terrible in most hats. But the whole hiding baldness, since does anybody care about that anymore? The shaven-headed man or the stubbly man is, hell, that's like the most uh, common hairstyle there is these days. Yeah, I think a lot of the want-to-bring-back hats of, like, the 1930s crowd uh, ignore the fact that many men, it's very common for men to wear hats in the year 2021. They're just ball caps. Yeah. That's just the hat we've gone with rather than the fedora. You would like the fedora to come back because they do look cool, but ball caps are the hats of the, uh, the 21st century. No doubt about it. A snappy brim also looks better with snappy clothes. Yeah. And, and we're a much more casual people than we were in 1936. Yeah, the <laughs> fedora doesn't pair well with my athleisure. You do see a lot of fedora with like cargo shorts and and <laughs> and, and sandals, and it just yeah yeah it doesn't work the same way. It's well, not the same as watching a Mank, for instance, where all the men wear. I'm gonna hats. watch that this weekend. You've uh, you've convinced me. I need I, to see that. I, I keep talking about it. I realize Mank still sounds like a euphemism for a woman's private parts to me. I just like a British. <laughs> euphemism for ladies parts i I can't say it out loud uh you know if you're if you're young and handsome and have a flat belly the fedora with the cargo shorts or not cargo shorts like uh board shorts or whatever that's pretty snappy i think Mm. looks pretty good i just can't pull it off attractive people do look attractive yes (laughs) (laughs) sean that was unkind so unkind armstrong and getty Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.